Whether it's a hidden Mickey, a rare character meet and greet, or a special moment with a cast member, Disney's magic is often found in its secrets. Perhaps one of the most lavish secrets to date is one that Walt himself opposed at the start. When the concept became a high-class dining experience, though, it fell right into its home in New Orleans Square. This week on Slice of Disney, your table is ready at Club 33. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. And I'm your co-host, Will Lentz, occasional Disney-goer and real-life gingerbread cookie. Because it's almost the holidays. And because I'm a ginger. You are a ginger. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I was like, I didn't really know what to go with this one, but I felt like a food theme was appropriate. I like talking about food. I haven't had dinner yet, so... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's discuss all my favorite foods. Just Let's kidding. Do all of them, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but but that's true. You are a food person. You like dining experiences and different foods, despite the fact that you have a limited uh, ability to eat foods. <laughs> especially, especially at the Disney theme parks. It's such a bummer because one of the things that I love is how much like work they put into all their treats and a lot of their food and you get to see you know the people decorating these fun sweet treats and i'm like ah well this sucks i can look at them mm -hmm. but <laughs> i i would love to participate in that i do love to eat i'm definitely one of those people who like works out so that they can eat more <laughs> sure um i i miss dining out a lot you know it's one of those things that like i feel there's definitely aspects of the pandemic where it's like, oh, cool. Like, I, I actually kind of enjoy picking up food and eating it at home or cooking more. I've been cooking a lot more, too, and that's really cool, too. But there is – I do miss, like, the full service, getting the food hot, all that kind of stuff. Um, not so much that I'm going to rush out to eat. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. While, while, of course. But, but, yes, I'm very excited to get back to restaurants, and I, and I think that's a big part of this, too. It's not just the food about this the topic today. It's, it's the entire experience. I think that's – should be all dining experiences is why do we go you know i'm not looking for like a medieval time situation but <laughs> i know it sounds pretty fun i've never been you've never been to medieval medieval times no i've been to the ren fair but not not to oh the man times. okay that isn't a disney episode but maybe one day when the pandemic is over we can do like a special weird episode on medieval times i like it <laughs> i like the idea uh yay it's rare he likes my ideas. Um, <laughs> so today is our 33rd episode. So so we wanted to discuss Club 33. Yeah, we mentioned it a couple times in previous episodes and had a couple people reach out being like, I don't know what Club 33 is. And uh, figured, oh, well, we will tell you about it, especially because one of these hosts has actually been to Club 33. But you won't know which one until we get through the history. Yeah, I, I felt bad that people didn't realize what it is. So Club 33 is a private lounge club located at the heart of New Orleans Square. Uh, the idea behind it was that every guest is a VIP and they hosted a lot of executives and uh, a lot of uh, different people from the companies that were sponsors. And now uh, it is for anyone who's willing to throw a ton 
of money, Disney's way, and you also can be part of this very, very exclusive club. Listen, if there's a secret club and a place where I'm going, I want to be part of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't, know, I don't know who doesn't, right? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it is like, I mean, there's like a secret entrance to it, although it's a little bit more well-known where the entrance is now. Um, it's just exclusive. And it, it obviously did start as a way to wine and dine um, executive members. And we'll, we'll talk about how that sort of came about. I think the best way to describe it is that it is a country club for Disney. Mm. If you're willing to pay a premium, you can get treated like royalty. Yeah, that's, I think that is a good way to put it. Good job. Thank you all. Uh, now we can get into how it started. Okay, I don't want to brag, but Will and I are freaking geniuses. We are. We didn't even necessarily. On purpose. Yeah, yeah it was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so so last week um, we, did, uh, we did Carousel of Progress, and we got to do a lot on GE and the World's Fair and the corporate sponsorships. Then I start working on uh, Club 33 because one of us has potentially dined there. And, and so I know the little bit about it, but I didn't know the origin story. Are you even ready for this? I, I think I am. Yeah, yes. Yes, I am. I'm ready for it. Lay it on me. One thing that you know about Walt is that everywhere he went around the world, he was always examining... He, you know, paid attention to every little detail. And this definitely came about when we were at the 1964 World's Fair. During the World's Fair, a do oh, dozens of companies approached Disney, hoping to work with them because they were the leaders in theme park attraction entertainment. I mean, yeah, and that's evident by the huge success that all of their exhibits were. There. Yes. Uh, the four partners they ended up choosing were Ford, Ford's Magic Skyway, we have our General Electric, which was Progress Land, a.k.a. Carousel of Progress. Pepsi-Cola. It's a small world. A salute to UNICEF and all of the world's children. And the great state of Illinois with great moments with Mr. Lincoln. I feel like that one was selfish on Walt because Walt's obsessed with Lincoln. So I feel like he was like, <laughs> I'm sure there were like other huge companies. He's like, nope, we're going with the state of Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Who did we lose out to? Uh, the state of Illinois. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Mr. Stateman. <laughs> the most successful of those was what we talked about last week, was the GE partnership um, with the Carousel of Progress. You think, I, yeah, I was thinking about this actually in re-listening to it as we edited and stuff. Do you think it's more successful than It's a Small World? Um, do I think it, I don't think it is more iconic than It's a Small World. Um, but I do think that, by some metrics, it is the it is more successful. Yeah. I think in part by the long lasting GE partnership. I think that is probably key to it. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so here's here's the thing. This is this is anecdotal, but when I say Carousel of Progress, like one out of ten people uh, are like, "Oh my, I remember that. And I love that thing." When I say Small World, everyone's like, "Oh." <laughs> 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 so you know That's i think that hilarious. I, th <laughs> I think carousel of progress has like its core fans um and everyone knows it's a small world but i don't think anyone's chomping at the bit people there are a handful of people that truly do love 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 it um i i think both of them carry a huge nostalgic factor the other thing that was at the world's fair um was the primeval world which are these cool dinosaurs that you can see when you ride the train around disneyland 
it's crazy to me how much technology is still used that was this breakthrough technology at the time of the World's Fair in 1964 that is still being used today in the theme parks. Absolutely. And it wasn't just the technology that Walt picked up or that was created for the World Fair. It was, you know, seeing how some other businesses operated as well, because, you know, that's, you know, Walt at the end of the day was still kind of a businessman and he had his own thing. But being exposed to other people and other stuff, he's naturally going to pick up some ideas. Yes, this one had to do with drinking. Um, (laughs) Walt loved that all of his uh, corporate sponsors were having all of these VIP lounges. They were the private areas around the World's Fair that were only for the executives and um, the sponsors and investors, a way for, you know, these people to wine and dine each other, I'm sure form lots of partnerships. And Walt really liked this idea. Which naturally made sense, right? Um, this was, he, he was really starting to see the value of this kind of uh, large-scale networking. But where do you do that? What, yeah, so he knew he wanted to bring this idea back to his theme parks, but he wasn't exactly sure how. One of the things that was really important to Walt Disney was to have a dry Disneyland. He, yeah. Um, he has a really interesting relationship with alcohol. So he really, really did not want there to be alcohol in Disneyland because he thought it brought a rowdy crowd. And he just believed that Disney shouldn't have those kind of people. And, you know, these typical carnivals and other types of theme parks alcohol was kind of alcohol was kind of a star in its own right there and so he wanted to avoid that at disneyland because he thought disneyland should be more special than that yeah and i can respect that you know i think that that makes sense um yeah because it because i think there is so much work and effort that's put into it i think i think the thing that i understood was him being like we don't need alcohol for people to have fun Right. And it's a family friendly park. We don't want it to be that the adults are, you know, not paying attention to their kids. You everyone should have that childlike mind and experience this with a clean heart, open eyes, (laughs) clear eyes, full hearts. Yep. Can't lose. Can't lose. (laughs) Friday night lights. Um, Yeah. And plus, if you are drunk and then you go on Mr. Toad's wild ride. Yeah, might get too for wild. An accident. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I can respect where he's coming from in that situation, in that with that concept. And he was, uh, you know, only okay at respecting his own boundaries because Walt did love to partake in the social drinking, and so it wasn't that he had an issue with the social drinking aspect. It was just not, pe- you know, not wanting to get people sloshed in the parks. So he kind of had his own ways of hiding. Um, alcohol. So uh, on the Mark Twain ferry, there was always a hidden bottle of scotch for him. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. But these are pretty like strong, uh, strongly substantiated rumors. Yes. (laughs) But but nevertheless. Yes. And he would not participate in drinking until the parks were closed. That was a big thing. After hours, there were two different places where you could find fully stocked bars. It would be the Golden Horseshoe. And the Mark Twain, the boat, the large ferry, um, for anyone who hasn't been there. And both of these, uh, once us regular folks went home, he, all of his cool buddies would 
um, partake in some beverages. So I guess he was smart about it ish. <laughs> Um, but also, like, you created Disneyland. If you want to have a drink at your park, you can have a drink at your park. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he appreciates you uh, I know, giving he, him that permission, Kelly. Yeah, from from his grave, he's like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but there was, but he also was a smart businessman. Uh, Walt knew that alcohol is obviously a smart decision for lots of businesses. So he wanted people to be able to purchase alcohol nearby, just not within the walls of Disneyland. So by Disneyland's second anniversary, June of 1957, they opened Holidayland, which Holidayland was basically just this big park. It had a huge tent, and the tent was from a failed Mickey Mouse Club circus, and then just a baseball field and an open field and some playground stuff. Um, But it served beer. Does that place still exist? It does not. Uh, What's currently there is uh, New Orleans Square. Oh, gotcha. I just missed that. Interesting. Yeah, so the space that, you know, it wasn't being used at the time. So you could leave, go there. They did a lot of, like, corporate events or birthday parties, whatever. It caused some problems because then the whole idea was you can't go into Disneyland until you have, like, until you're allotted time. But then a lot of what would happen is, like, you could have up to 7,000 people. All at once. Getting, yeah, really drunk and then all entering through the same entrance. And it did cause a lot of problems. And obviously, it's kind of hard on the kids because the kids are like, cool, Disneyland is there. I can see it. I see all the rides. I hear the noises. And I'm stuck playing in this stupid playground. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that doesn't. I I understand where that idea came from and also understand why it did not work. Yes, exactly. I get it, but. Poop, luckily, by 1961, it was gone. Partially, you know, it just didn't feel like Disney. So then it, you know, the only way that you could really get drinks is guests could get on the monorail and go get drinks at the monorail lounge, Mm. which looks very, like, speakeasy. It was in an old monorail. It looked pretty cool. And then um, also it was next to the Disneyland Hotel. Walt didn't own the Disneyland Hotel, so he could not control. There were a lot of bars in there, so he had no control over that situation. So people could, if they really want to, enjoy some beverages. He just didn't want them to be in the parks. They also don't sell gum in the parks, so. Oh, right, because they don't want that, like, ending up, you know, all over. That makes sense. Uh, Interesting that Walt didn't own the Disneyland hotels. I know. One day we'll have to do a Disneyland Hotel episode. I, I, I don't know that that's necessary. What? Are you kidding me? There's so much there. No, you're right. There's a lot of cool stuff at those resorts and stuff like that and different themes and stuff. So yeah, we could do an episode on that. It's just interesting to me that he didn't own them. Yeah, it's really weird. You'd well, expect- we will have to find out more later. I know. So clearly there's like this desire for whining and dining to be able to happen in the parks or at least parks adjacent. But a couple of these attempts aren't really working out. Um, but that kind of idea is sticking there and that concept is sticking there met with... Again, what Walt sees at the 1964 World Fair, um, and a new idea comes to light. It wasn't totally his own idea, though. It there was might not. Have, there might have been some peer pressure involved. Like every good drinking story, <laughs> there was peer pressure involved. Don't drink, kids. Um, when Walt Disney had all these, uh, he got peer pressured, but also he was a smart man, and he knew what he was doing. When he said, yes, we will make all of these rides for you, it was kind of a genius move because now he's not having to pay for new stuff in his parks. He's getting all these companies to um, and still getting to innovate and, you know, discover and create these unforgettable 
experiences and rides and he he knew that and everyone like going in that was like part of the deal like disney was like okay if you get to use these at the world's fair we get to bring them back to disneyland it benefits everyone uh everyone's like okay cool um just keep our sponsorship name and great we heard all about this uh on carousel progress with general electric general electric loved working with disney they um, went back to disneyland but they were very picky it, a little bit of our journey of Carousel Progress, they were like, it's not getting enough people to see it. Uh, the song is saying that tomorrow's going to be great, but we want now to be great with our products. Like, It's interesting because it seems like in this, and it probably makes sense at the time, that General Electric felt like they had the leverage and they had the upper hand in this uh, negotiation and this contract positioning. Whereas like now, I feel like Disney has the upper hand in almost any uh, negotiation that might be out there, um, with the exception of some very other big companies. Um, but at the time, GE was making a lot of demands, and that's kind of what where where we are now, too, with what's about to come next. Yeah, so they said, yes, we would love for you to have Carousel of Progress in Disneyland for people to see, but we have one requirement. Within what's the- that requirement? <laughs> Within the Carousel of Progress, a ride. We need a VIP lounge with alcohol. Yep, that's what they wanted. <laughs> I uh, side note: I literally called Will, and I was like, "Will, Will, I this is crazy. You have to know this." <laughs> and and to be fair, it wasn't just called me. You sent me like a text on iMessage. <laughs> you sent me a text on my phone number. You tried to call, and then like later, I was like, "What's going on?" And I called you back, and you're like, "Oh, this is so crazy." <laughs> okay, is, cool. It is crazy. An accurate description. (laughs) As we hate on Universal, sometimes I feel like we were kind of like giving GE a hard time. And so then I was like, oh, it's deserved. Look at these little sneaky boys. Uh, (laughs) So Walt's like, okay, one, no, I'm not putting a bar in my ride. Um, Two, sorry, dude's got a strict rule about not drinking. Um. You know, we we I'm I am working on this idea of having some kind of lounge for after hours, you know, for execs and for VIP. But, you know, so, no, like it's not going to happen. They're like, no, we need alcohol any time of the day in your theme park for us. And well, it's like, yeah, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't you know, I I don't blame them. Like if I'm GE, I'm like, oh, what better way to like wine and dine my own vendors uh taking them to disneyland and then we'll take them to the secret area of our thing where we can go get like of course you're gonna want that Uh, i understand that ask i also completely understand the no yeah i don't understand the ask i'm like okay like go wine and dine at like a restaurant in beverly hills i don't know uh it's such a bigger power move to be like and in disneyland yeah right Come back on. this way no one else i mean it you know yeah that is it is a big power move um so disney wanted to keep their you know ge happy obviously and g was really pushing back because this was very important to them they they really wanted to have a place where they could drink within the walls of disneyland so walt came up with this idea he's like you know what i'm actually working on a new land it's called new orleans square it wouldn't be where carousel progress is going but it would be, there's room, and we can build a lounge. And Walt again said, though, this lounge will have no alcohol during operating hours. NGE again said, okay, loving the idea of this new area, 
but we must have alcohol during <laughs> during park hours. They're like, I don't think you heard us, Walt. <laughs> yeah. Take everything. You just If you want us just to walk around with koozies, we're cool with that. <laughs> it's about the alcohol. You'll see here. <laughs> I'm, now I'm picturing a bunch of like madmen type people like yelling at each other. With, like, I mean, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my imagery now. Um, and finally, I don't know exactly what the hell the conversation went. I'm sure there is no recording of it. But whatever it was, they came to an agreement. Walt finally broke down and said, okay, we're going to have alcohol in the parks during operating hours, but there will be no bar. It is only to be with food. Right a dining experience i think that's a good compromise i think so too i mean it has ultimately changed to jump way forward carly circle has a bar but that's not in disneyland oh right right, right, right. the only time it has changed is now in the last year since galaxy's edge opened was the first time that other than club 33 alcohol is served and you can just get alcohol you don't have to get food um within disneyland itself Gotcha. Yeah, California Adventure, lots of bars uh, and restaurants. And then uh, Downtown Disney as well. It gives you lots of opportunities to wine and dine yourself. But they have, until Galaxy's Edge, stuck to the rules of no alcohol in Disney. That's interesting. I wonder yeah. why they made that change. Was there a big uproar when that kind of change happened? Were, oh, were people disgruntled about it? Huge uproar. People yeah, were so imagine. upset because they're like, no, this isn't what Walt wanted. And it's the same with Magic Kingdom. Um, there is now one restaurant that serves alcohol. It's called Be Our Guest. And it's a Beauty and the Beast dining experience. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's a really beautiful um, restaurant. But it was a big deal when that happened because those were the two parks that were like, these are Walt's parks. Like, this is his vision. That's interesting. Well, I mean, you know, I think I wouldn't be shocked if Walt was still I would be shocked if Walt was still alive, period. I wouldn't be shocked if, on the chance that Walt somehow was still alive and still doing things, that he would have softened his stance on alcohol. But Yeah. Know. Who knows? Um, but he said he did. He softened at this point. And he said, okay, fine. Um, we are going to open it up. There will be food. Um, and it also kind of worked out, too, because... Walt and his wife um, were getting a little tired of their little apartment above the firehouse. It was getting a little small for them. So they were like, okay, this gives us an opportunity to build an apartment that can share the kitchen of the lounge. And that way they can like wine and dine their friends after hours and, you know, treat their guests as they come in. Um, and then And then they would also have this lounge. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, especially like I was it's always interesting to me like that Walt's apartment in the park as it was growing was still this kind of small apartment. Yeah, it's very small, but it makes it it sort of tracks with what we've been talking about the past few episodes of his like humble upbringing and how, you know, that's, you know, probably part of what he liked about it. But obviously, as you are expanding, it's like, well, all right, how can we take a step up here? Yeah, you don't really want to cram like six of your friends in like a one bedroom apartment. <laughs> yeah. No. You don't. Though, Trust I mean, me, I've tried. I was going to say New York and Los Angeles. I right. mean, not really much of a choice, but uh Walt Walt did seem like he had a choice uh at his own named theme park. <laughs> um and so they got themselves really excited um 
for for this New Orleans Square, this new club lounge, you know, potential new apartment. Um, they even went down to New Orleans to go pick out their own decor. A lot of that you can see in Club 33 today. So one of the things that they brought with them in the design of this uh, restaurant, this club, um, was the French lift. Uh, it is an elevator. And I, like, I tried to look it up, and it is known as the French... Like, if you Google French lift, you're most likely going to run into Club 33. Because it's not like... There's not a Wikipedia page article on what a French lift is. <laughs> but um, there are other things that back up this source, too, where it's an old-style um, elevator that's just got a specific kind of counterweight... Uh, measure that makes it a quote-unquote French lift but it also has like this nice glass door that you have to open before and it kind of opens into it and basically it's a very s- and- yeah and basically it's a very smooth ride and the idea was that Walt once went on these and he was like well, I want this in my park for Club 33 and they were like well we can't sell this to you like but I have money and they were like ah, still no and he's like fine I have an imagineering team <laughs> they <laughs> so could he had them it. design it yeah, he, he experienced, like, going on this French lift in New Orleans when he was shopping. And then he, that's why he was like, yes, this fits in my theme park. Um, and so in the opening of Club 33, it was right in the entrance. Club 33 finally opened May of 1967 and was used for entertainment investors, VIPs, Walt's family and friends. Um, unfortunately... Walt did not get to experience it himself. He passed away five months before it opened. Um, in talking about a lot of these things that he missed, it it's cool to see that they kept going with a lot of these ideas. It's cool to see they didn't continue with the Epcot original idea. Uh, but a lot of these other ones, I'm really glad that they stuck with. And I, I will say it says something, too, that we have time and time again talked about a ride or attraction or something in 2020 that is so iconic it's enough for us to want to you know make content around that he had a big part in playing but passed away before it got to open so as you said they continued his legacy on and continued on creating these things that he because it would have been very easy to drop it and be like well we can't figure it out because he's not here let's move on to the next thing Um, right so the fact that they were able to do it and yet and and those things still became a lasting um, oh thing yeah! Until now, it's it's it's, it's pretty cool, it, and it, and again, it is a bummer that he didn't get to um, actually eat there. Yeah, um, Club Thirty Three. Um, you know, like Walt, a lot of people will not get the opportunity to eat there. Um, so we'll try to do our best to like describe it and everything. There's a couple different rooms that you go through, and there's a room called the Trophy Room, and in this room were a bunch of. Okay, I wrote animal heads, but what are those things called? Like, like you on know, the walls? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's a mount. It's a wall mount. Because a deer head on a wall is called a deer mount. If it was a bear, it'd be a bear mount. So there were lots of animal mounts then. Um, I I don't know. I think they creep me out and I hate them. So for me, I'm like, I don't even want to know what they're called. Um, they had gotten a bunch of them as gifts. So, you know, they put them in there. But then, you know, we got... I'm realizing more and more that, like, Walt, like, really loved birds. Uh, He talked about it in a lot of his letters. We read Marceline, too, about, like, these animatronic birds. So, again, we got to have animatronic birds um, throughout this trophy room and throughout Club 33. One of them um, is this vulture that you, you know, is still there. And then if you look in the chandeliers, there's all of these microphones. And they're still there. Uh, I hope they aren't working 
Um, but the idea was that cast members would listen to the patrons' conversations and then randomly these birds would chime in and like dine with you. <laughs> Which is very funny and also a terrible idea. <laughs> I literally wrote in the notes, this didn't come to light because obviously it's a terrible idea. Like, I don't know why. Maybe he was losing it. I don't know. This is a terrible idea. This is what I'm glad they didn't go through with. <laughs> I do wonder, uh, were there nefarious reasons for that? I don't know. Regardless, though, I think you especially don't want to, if you're whining and dining top executives, you don't want to be like, oh, by the way, we've also been spying on you this whole time. We're so sp- would you like to go forward with that deal? <laughs> we're spying on you, and then we're going to have an animatronic vulture interrupt your conversation. <laughs> the thing we're going to do with that information is a bit. <laughs> I'm uncontrollably laughing. Oh my god! Yes, it's very weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, luckily, they did not go through with that. Uh, I, but you could even they they've updated Club Thirty Three. They did a big renovation a couple years back, uh, but those chandeliers are still there. And they still have the microphones on them. Yeah, that's weird. You can just see like the bottom of it. I mean, it's probably just too much money to take it off. It's not like they're actually still secretly spying on people. Right. So one of the most controversial things about Club 33. I think that Will's on... feeling a little sassy and sarcastic when he says that. Well, I'll leave that up to you to decide. Um, <laughs> one of the things that comes up every time you're trying to do any research is like, oh, it is widely debated. It's the origin of the name Club 33. Dun, dun, dun. I don't think it's that widely debated. In fact, most of the origins are like kind of interesting, but you know, it's like, okay, well, it could be that or it could be that, well, whatever. All of them make sense. It's not like there, <laughs> right. was a, there was a dead guy and he haunted the parks and his name was Club and he died <laughs> age 33. That's definitely not one of them, but That's I actually not- <laughs> like that idea better than any of the other ones. So the most... Um, discussed reason for the reason it's called Club 33 is because um, the name is because of the street. The address of Club 33 is 33 Royal Street and they have to have an address because since because I think it's funny this episode's so surrounded by alcohol but um, because they serve alcohol and rest of Disney does not they have to have their own individual address their own mailing address. So that is why um, if you ask any cast members or if you, I don't know, emailed an exec, that, one, if they answer you, that's pretty cool. But two, that would be their response. Dear Mr. Exec, why is it called Club 33? <laughs> Goodbye, me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send that email. <laughs> Let's, please see if anything happens. Um, <laughs> the... There's a few other ones um, dealing with the prohibition in America and when that ended. Another popular belief um, is that the number three, you know, take that number three, you know, it looks like this, and I'm doing uh-huh. motions with my fingers to Kelly. Wow. Uh, and you turn it on its side, and then it's like almost <laughs> like mouse ears. <laughs> or like a W. Right. This is a theory I read online. <laughs> So. Wow, I did not read that one. That is that is some creative thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Walt's a pretty creative guy. <laughs> the 
the most well-known and questioned outside of the obvious address one is that, you know, Disney, when creating Disneyland, didn't have the funding that he needed. And so he did. He found ways, including this World's Fair, of getting a bunch of different corporations involved and having a bunch of sponsorships. There's a list of different sponsors that Disney continued to work with uh, as they were growing their park. And, and between the years of 1966 and 1967, there were 33 different sponsors. That's right. Sponsors such as Frito-Lay, Kodak, Timex, GE. Welch's. My mom's last name is Welch. Did your mom sponsor it? I'm, you know, I'm going to have to ask her. Ooh, I like this one. Uh, Lincoln's Savings and Loans. <laughs> That's the one I was going for, too. You know, yes. it's only because it yes. was Because it's, it's Lincoln. Lincoln. Um, <laughs> one that excites me is one is uh, Pendleton. And I had no idea what that was, but um, I got some cool clothes after my grandma passed away. And I wear this wool jacket a lot. And it's a Pendleton. Well, there you go. And it's hers from, like, you know. Long time ago. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say I think that that was why. This is what makes most sense to me. Um, I mean, and that could also be why they picked 33 for their address, too. And then it just kind of all ties together in a bow. Yeah. That that was what makes sense to me. Something I, I mean, the sponsors seem kind of interesting because you have things like Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And Chicken and, by the Sea. Or from yes, the Sea. Those are all the same. Chicken of the Sea. <laughs> but the fact you'd have two competitors that are both sponsors is interesting to me. Chicken of the Sea. Looked it up. Had to You're make sure I got really it right. focusing on this Chicken of the Sea. That's a tuna. Okay. I didn't. I know it is. I've I'm seen, over I've here seen talk. The, I'm I've seen the int- Jessica Simpson clip. <laughs> I'm having an interesting conversation with myself over here, and he's focusing on tuna. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, but that's the that's the story that makes most sense to my brain. Yeah, likewise. So as we talked like at the beginning, this did start as more of a corporate, you know, wine and dine kind of experience. But it has progressed to where people can actually actively go now. Um, if you're if you follow the right steps and you spend the right amount of money, um, it's a club that you know normal people like you and me uh, could, in theory, get into. Uh, it might take a while. You might have to know the right kind of people, um, but there are pathways to getting in now. Yes, it's not just for corporations or for executives anymore. It's for yeah. people who have lots of money. <laughs> so for any of our listeners out there that uh, want to know how to get in, why don't, you, why don't you tell them, Kelly? Yeah, if you have an extra $25,000 laying around. First um, off, <laughs> give it to us. Second yeah. <laughs> um, memberships can be purchased. A individual... You get have an initiation fee of $25,000 and then about $12,000, $14,000 a year as well. That is the lowest level. Um, that comes with the least amount of perks. Then you have corporate accounts and that initiation fee is going to be more like $40,000. And based on that, I'll let you figure out how much their annual fee probably is. My guess is somewhere <laughs> like 20000 You know, people aren't like super open about this information. As this is a very secretive club, so it's hard to say. Um, you do get some perks, you know. You get your, you do get a passport, a What's annual a pass, a, an annual pass that can take you to any of the Disney parks within the United States. 
Um, you'll get some passes for your friends. You know, you'll get a couple VIP tours. There are more perks than I thought because I thought it's like, okay, so I'm spending this much money and then I'm also about to like throw over a couple hundred dollars at least for my dinner. <laughs> like, Yeah. So it's, it is pricey. The wait list is like 15 years long. Um, so if you put your name on it, hope in one day, you know, you better start now. Do you, um, when do you, do you, uh, do you know if you pay the initiation fee, uh, upon putting your name on the wait list? Oh, or? no, no, no. Okay. So yeah. I could put my name on there now and be like in 15 years, maybe I'll have saved up enough money. I jokingly think about that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, might as well, you know, put that name on. Something that's so weird to me, we haven't gotten into it yet, but there's other Club 33s now, not just the original, and the accounts of Club 33 are not transferable. So, like, if I am a club member, I I am giving you, in my first year, you know, 30 plus, or, like, $40,000, I can't go to the ones at Disney World. That's insane. That is insane. There should at least be like a uh, Disney World plus one kind of thing or whatever. Because I feel like that's the main park, right? So everyone maybe wants their home one and their Disney World. Uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Disney doesn't need my ideas on how to make money off this, uh, <laughs> this restaurant. I don't know. They might. Just kidding. Um, they've opened new locations. The second one was at Tokyo Disneyland. And then another location opened at the Shanghai Disneyland. Then at Disney World, we have Club 33 Outposts, where you have basically a Club 33 lounge-type place, very exclusive, at the different Disney World theme parks. Those um, are very new within the last couple of years. You're not allowed to take pictures or videos, so there's really not a lot out there about these. They're keeping them very, very private and exclusive. And it's even hard to research. Like, if you want to join Club 33, you kind of have to be in the know of like how to sign up. It's all very secretive. It sounds like with the with that with the outposts now they're trying to maybe reclaim some of that exclusivity and the secret side of things that they didn't lose, but that they kind of opened up uh, Club Thirty Three from and allowed people to to purchase that or get on the wait list and, and become members and stuff, um, which I think kind of makes sense. Yeah, and they opened up another situation. It's called Twenty One Royal. It is this second, you know, that this second apartment that they built for Walt that he never got to stay in. Um, I've walked through that. That's a different conversation. Um, but now that if you're really, really rich and want to have a very unique dining experience, you can have this very exclusive dinner that is not Club 33, but is next door. Equally as exclusive, equally unique. But again, only if you got... A lot of money to throw. Exactly. And that's all to lead up to the fact that I was the one that got to go to Club 33. <laughs> and not you, Kelly. What? And I'm not going to tell you anything about it. <laughs> Will um, is lying. Yeah. He's sneaky that way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, think that one was too sneaky. Man, I wish that it was you. I mean, I'm not, I don't because I hate you forever. I, but, I absolutely would refuse to tell you a single thing about it. Oh, my God. That would be torture, like actual torture. I would go, it's fine. I, <laughs> it's, I, don't, I don't really remember it. Oh, um, yeah, I don't remember what I got. <laughs> this, I, I mean, you could take pictures when we went. So I guess it's the new ones that they're, like, keeping really 
um, you know, lips sealed about. But I got to go. You did. Uh, It was all a joke. I didn't get to go. Um, (laughs) So why don't you tell us what it was like? It was amazing. I feel so lucky. Um, So it was my birthday a couple years back, and a friend of mine um, works at um, a big uh, production house in Hollywood and had a connection to, you know, someone who goes. So that is something you can do if you're a member. You can gift membership, you know, an experience for them to go dine there. Um, So that is how we went. It was, it was amazing. The, the food was unlike any other food that I've had on any Disney property. I've read other people thinking it wasn't that great. I thought it was phenomenal. Like, I what, thought it was a lot better than Napa Rose. Um, well, I just remember that corn-wise, I could eat, like, everything. Um, I got a fish dish. But it's, like, six courses, so it's a lot of food. You eat. You just keep eating, and like even their breads are like different than the rest of the breads in the park. They're like just for Club Thirty Three. Um, they're made in their own bakery. I could even eat this dessert, and because it's my birthday, they made it all pretty. Um, there's a little balcony where you can go out, and depending on what time you go, you would be able to watch Fantasmic. Oh man, it was awesome, and the service like you are treated like royalty, like you are at a fine dining wonderful restaurant there's a dress code you know there's a lot of you you feel you you feel the importance you no longer feel like you're in a disney park but it's kind of awkward because i like changed out of my shorts and a t-shirt in the bathroom and then I'm like, <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i've seen the stuff like i looked up and i saw the dress code and i was like but i want to wear shorts to the park <laughs> if you're not planning on going to the parks the whole day i think it's not a big deal but yeah. we we had gone to the parks all day and um so I was like a little sweat like I can see the pictures and I'm like eh, these aren't quite as cute as I wish they were <laughs> but that's fair but I it was a phenomenal experience um and if you want to see some of those pictures we'll throw some up on Instagram yeah we'll definitely um I'll post some it it was amazing I tried to stay in the moment the whole time so I don't have as many as I would have liked and afterwards do you remember what your favorite thing you ate there was I had this like incredible crab thing i don't even know like i'm use your words kelly come on i literally cannot because it was just delicious it was like a crab claw next to this like salady thing with this cream on it and it, everything is plated like gold um i had a lot of and there was another thing like a little piece of lobster with some peas i love peas um and like risotto type thing and even the faucets like in the bathroom they were shaped like swans. <laughs> I'm That's cool. I'm not even exaggerating. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was it, the thing that I remember stuck out to me was the dessert because, and that's partially selfish. Like, I can't eat desserts at a lot of restaurants, so the fact I could just was such a phenomenal experience. And then they, you know, gave me a, a, a hand signed card from the entire staff for my birthday. Oh, it, cute! I mean, really above and beyond the whole time. Yeah. That's awesome. I definitely cried when I went. I'm not too surprised by that. <laughs> so you're saying you would recommend people go if they have the opportunity? Oh, my God, yeah. 
I mean, okay. it's a once in a lifetime experience for sure. It's not the kind of place where I'm like, every time I go to the park. <laughs> right, right. But, I've modified the questions. We'll get to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm also not one of those people who has, you know, that much money to drop on. Well, of course. An exclusive club. Um, it made it made me feel like I was Disney royalty for a day. And that was an awesome experience. So it's interesting because it is part of the park, but it's also very separate. The attention to detail, I think, is still there on both sides. But it's just like a different, from what it sounds like, it's just a different way. It's the same Disney level execution, but delivered in a different way. I so, think that's the best way to describe it. But I, they do have very little, but a couple things that make it feel like Disney. Like what? Like one hidden Mickey. That's right. I looked it up, actually. Um, there aren't really in the many, and I don't think there's any in the decor or anything like that. But uh, on s at least some iteration of the servers and the staff vests, um, they have gold embroidery and little patterns and stuff. And there's a little uh, hidden Mickey, a classic hidden Mickey, because I know what that is now, um, <laughs> <laughs> in their embroidery on the vest. Um, so there's that. Um, I feel like I also... I looked at the menu, and I don't think that this was on there now, but I feel like I used to hear that there was a dessert called the Gray Stuff. That's not at Club 33, but that is a thing. That's more, that's at um, uh, Be Our Guest. Oh, gotcha. Because it is, I mean, it's something from uh, the Be Our Guest song. Um, yes. What's the lyric? Um, try the Gray Stuff. It's delicious. There you don't go. Don't believe yeah. me? Ask the dishes. If I, It might have been there at some point. But that is like a, you can get a version of that just at Disneyland. Or the big thing is you get the dessert at Be Our Guest. Right. So they don't they don't have that there anymore. So I think really the only, I mean, I'm sure there's a couple other things too. But for the most part, the only real like kind of Easter eggs are those little uh, embroideries on the vests. Um, unless, unless we're wrong and someone else has been there and wants to reach out and let us know about something that is not talked about in our research or that we didn't see. Oh, um, yes. We'd love to know. Wait, before we get to the typical questions that we do can you do the yelp did you I do can. one did you do one for i can i did do one for yes. this um so now for everybody's favorite segment disney <laughs> on yelp da, 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 da. so this one was a little bit trickier because um it was less tricky and the reason i say what? that is because yelp is a website design that most people usually use to review restaurants and so therefore there's a oh. lot more reviews on this one and they're not as funny because it's people doing the thing that they actually do on yelp that's funny. Uh, but I found one from Danny G. Um, it's a three-star review because those are the stars that I go for. He has three friends, 105 reviews, um, and a very cute picture of a child, which I am assuming is his as his profile picture. Danny G says, I'm not a huge Disney fan, so my friend had to explain to me why he was calling me at work and pressing me to dine at Disneyland. <laughs> He told me he had gotten reservations for dinner at Club 33 and that it was one of the hardest places to get into in the world. Well, after doing some research on Club 33 and knowing that my friend and his family who would be joining us are diehard Disney fans who had talked about visiting this place for years, I accepted. Ooh. Everyone else who posted here has talked about the food. It's overpriced, but very good. The service was excellent overall, but our waiter was exceptional. He has worked at Club 33 for 20 years and happily answered our questions about the club in Disneyland insightfully. Oh, wow. But what truly made the evening special was how everyone I was with absolutely loved the place, from pressing the doorbell to standing on the balcony overlooking New Orleans. Now, while I will treasure how my friend and his family loved this place, 
the club itself made no sense to me. Other than a few <laughs> portraits of Walt Disney in the hallway, you would not know you were in a Disneyland at all. Uh, there were no birds from the Tiki Room or any hidden Mickeys that I could spot anyway. Uh, the views of the park were not great because the windows were curtained. I know this place was built to entertain VIPs, and it certainly does a great job of that. But it seemed so far removed from the spirit of the park that dining here actually felt like a big letdown. If I were given a free pass to the park and had to choose between dining at Club 33 versus grabbing a churro and watching the adventures of Peter Pan, I'd be out $3.50. Aww, I love the end of that one. Yeah, thanks, Danny G. Well written. Yes, it was. And hey, he's not wrong. If I had the choice to go to Club 33 every time I went to Disney or never go, I would never go. But that's just because it is so special and so cool to experience but that isn't why i go to i don't go to disney to like eat at a fancy place yeah that makes sense yeah his that was a great review yeah good job danny i'll look up and see what your other reviews are 105 of them (laughs) maybe there's some other good ones i we didn't even really discuss the doorbell um it is it's a i felt very cool i have a video of me doing it and being overly excited (laughs) shocker i know (laughs) So we, so we already kind of answered the, um, would you go every time? Is this an every trip kind of thing? When you were saying that you, even if you had the option, you probably wouldn't. Uh, at least if you had to go every time, you'd rather, you'd rather your Disney experience be your Disney thing. So we, we don't need to go into that. Um, but some of my other questions, the standard one. Let's start with what would you change? Would you change anything about your Club Thirty Three experience? That I'd get to go again. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured that much. I feel like the menu is seasonal. They're, you know, every all the ingredients are really fresh, so I feel like it would change. But I would say I would change that my experience, uh, I'd have another. And mm-hmm. and the company, just so that you could come. Okay, Will, I know you haven't been, but I know you've tried to look up what you can. What would you change about it? What I would change about it is I would say every year there needs to be some type of opportunity for the average guest to get to go to it. Um, And and I think it should be done in some form of contest, like a scavenger hunt, or I don't don't exactly know what it is, but I think there should be some form of, if you care enough about X, Y, and Z, you can get your, you can earn an opportunity to go to this kind of thing. I I love that you're saying that. And Disney does a similar thing. like in Florida, you can stay in Cinderella's castle if you're chosen. They like choose a family randomly a night and they get to stay there. Um, and same thing with this. It used to be called the Dream Suite, which is now the Royal 21 I just mentioned earlier. Um, at Walt's like new apartment that you could stay there and get chosen randomly. You wouldn't have to pay. It would be really cool to do something like that with Club 33. Yeah, just let the average fan get get a little... Uh... Get a little taste of it. I think that would be cool. And they get like a hundred dollar voucher or something. Sure. Yeah. I mean, or, or the, or the meal whole meal free. free. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah whole whatever. Free. You know, it doesn't doesn't have to be that. But I just think some of it. And and I understand. I'm not trying to like circumvent and say that it should be open to everyone because I get the I get the whole appeal to it. But I think having that exclusivity, but allowing people that don't have the means to wait on 15 year wait lists and pay 25k. Um, it'd be cool it'd, and it'd be kind of a big event it would get some hype driven up around it too and I just think that'd be neat that um, I 100% agree that would be awesome yeah so like, think about that <laughs> um, okay 
So, okay, so I can't ask the 10 minutes left kind of question because I don't think that makes a ton of sense in this instance, especially since it's such a rare occurrence. Obviously, you're going to say, yes, right. I'd get, I'd go. So here <laughs> yeah. is my new, here's my new question for this. If you could get in, but the only food that they had all had corn in it and they could make uh. no exceptions, <laughs> would you go? Oh, my God. You can't eat. You can I, bring your own food and eat it. They'll allow you to eat the like sandwich and stuff you brought at the tables, uh, but you can't have the actual food. Okay, this is hilarious. Um, <laughs> I love when I don't know what you're going to ask me. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, because it's still this like exclusive cool club. Even if I am bringing my own peanut butter and jelly that I made, yeah, I'm still going to do it. Okay. Good. I mean, I would hope so, because I mean, that would mean your guests would get to go as well, and they probably don't have the corn allergy. <laughs> but I didn't want to oh, throw that wrench in there I, until you made the decision for yourself. I said yes, thinking I'm eating alone. <laughs> yeah, well, I also I thought about throwing that there, too. So yeah, uh, no, that's cool. Oh, that's funny. Um, yes, the answer is yes. Are you inviting me to a corn-filled meal? Sure. <laughs> This was so much fun reminiscing about such a special place. It is very cool. Um, I wish there was more I could talk about in terms of, you know, the other locations and, you know, what this Intent anyone that wants to bring her to <clears throat> the other locations. <clears throat> yeah, was that obvious or like, I don't know. But here we are. We've been fancy all evening. We're now like Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek. And <laughs> Will's so done with me. Um, I I hope you wore your best tux while you listen to this. How many people do you think have best tuxes? I don't know, but I have my <laughs> pinkies I feel like out. that implies you have multiple tuxes. I, I don't have any tuxes. That's just what I thought of. <laughs> but my pinkies are up, and I'm ending this episode by telling you to like and subscribe. Please, please don't let my weird accent prevent you. Please listen, uh, like, subscribe, <laughs> share with your friends. <laughs> uh, if you want to reach out to us or engage with us uh, or tell us how terrible that last little bit was, <laughs> you can do that on our social media channels at Slice of Disney on Instagram and Facebook or Slice underscore of underscore Disney on Twitter. Uh, you can email us at sliceofdisneypod at gmail.com. Um, let us know if there's anything that you're looking forward to hearing. We're getting into the holiday season, and so we're feeling a little festive. If there's anything that excites you about the holiday season at Disney, let us know. Okay, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and share with a friend. We have a couple of really cool episodes coming up, including a very special guest that we're excited to have on that we think you guys are really going to enjoy as well. Yes, so stay fancy, everyone. Mm, okay, bye. No, give me the actual one. Ah. I hope everyone enjoyed being fancy tonight. Key bye. That's fine. <laughs>